and Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, May the 13th. Um, we had a <laughs> different kind of episode last week um, in our, I guess, our first installment of the What If football um, variety or whatever you want to call it that ended up basically being nothing but Ronald Curry, um, which in in hindsight, I mean, it was a lot of fun, um, but at the same time, it was uh, not exactly, I think, what we were expecting. So tonight we're going to rejoin some of those questions. We're going to skip a few because uh, we are down uh, a member of the show, um, so I want to save some of that so Dave can be on. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. For tonight, staff writer Justin Ferber is everybody. How's it going, dude? It's going. Can you hear me? That's not funny. You're not okay. Why, why you gotta be just like checking? That? At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, so Ferber is uh, joking on me because uh, I made some changes in our setup, and hopefully it sounds okay. I and hope it, that everyone else gets to hear that terrible joke I made because if not, it's going to be a real waste of our time. <laughs> no, the waste of our time was the 15 minutes it took <laughs> me to uh, once I could test everything right. Anyway, okay. So last week we talked a lot about Ronald Curry. We talked somewhat about things non-Curry uh, related. I don't think we'll talk much about Curry if at yeah, all. Yeah, we should probably just let that die. <laughs> yeah, um, but I did, and I do want to plug it. Uh, I brought David Teal on the show after we basically read his work for you know 45 minutes. Um, we brought him on uh, Cat's Corner Conversations. I thought that was a lot of fun. When you heard Dave talk about it, uh, would it had, did, did you come away feeling any differently about the situation? No. I, I, well, I mean, it, it was cool to have somebody that's um, – I mean, we both know Teal. He's impartial. He's going to tell you what he thinks, and he was there, and he's insightful. So it was good to have somebody that was on the ground and knows the player and all of those other people that we were reading about you know, around him um, as he went through that process. And really the thing that I learned – and I kind of felt bad after listening to him talk that I feel like maybe what we were missing when we went over it, because obviously we didn't, we don't have a relationship with Ronald Curry is him. You know, like I feel like we talked a lot about like who was around him and what was going on and who was doing what and pulling him in different directions. But it seems from what Teal said, he he was just like a really good kid that just, you know, had a tough time with it. And, you know, if you want to say like, I mean, obviously last week we were reading like, it seems like there were people trying to pull him in different directions, for sure. Um, but it's interesting that Teal said, you know, he really didn't like the spotlight, didn't really see what the big deal was all about. Um, it just didn't go UVA's way. But I thought it was really interesting to hear him kind of recap all of those things that he was there for. The Winnebago thing is pretty mind blowing. The Winnebago thing is definitely mind blowing. I f- <laughs> the other thing that was really um, in talking to Teal, uh, just getting a sense of who the kid. You know, and listen, Dave knew him in a way that transcends, you know, internet hype and, you know, stories you read or whatever. He knew him well. And that was something I thought that came across in the last story that we read, the one that basically this, the day of his actual signing or what have you. Um, I guess it was the morning after. You know, he and he said last week, or wait, that was earlier this week when I released it, he, you know, hey, I, I think he just that's a that's a kid looking for a um, you know not necessarily an excuse but more like a reason why 
and the idea that that he had been he had only committed to UVA for a while just to keep everybody off his back, you know that that Teal genuinely thought he was committed. I I would trust him on that. Um, but ser- but you're right. Thinking about like who who he was and kind of the way he saw the limelight, um, it was almost like the exact wrong kid to kind of be thrust. You know, all this to be thrust upon. Um, and I just couldn't help but think about like what it would be like if that was the situation now you know like a kid like him how quickly he would get gobbled up by uh yeah process no doubt absolutely all right so let's see um we will rejoin our questions uh in progress um terry asked what if sean moore never broke his thumb i feel like that's definitely a dave let's save that one for dave so we're gonna come back to that one Uh, of all of the uva anything pre-high definition we're gonna have trouble with (laughs) or i'm gonna have trouble with um, it, it, anything, anything pretty high definition. I, I feel like if, of all the what ifs, that one is the one that seems to me to be, um, what's the word? Maybe right up there with Ronald Curry. Would you mm-hmm. agree with that? Like actual, like could have actually made a huge impact on things. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, you can like, I, I'll just pick this out of a hat, but I don't know if anybody suggested this or not, but um, there was something on Twitter a few weeks ago about like somebody said if you could flip one of the results from UVA's football season, which one would you flip? And some people said Miami. Like for example, like if you flip that result, that doesn't do anything for UVA's season. Right. Like they go ten and two, they go to the Orange Bowl, they lose to Clemson. Like they they had pretty much. I mean, obviously you want to win the game and go to get ten wins for the second time in program history, I guess. Right. Um, but other than that achievement, like it doesn't really have a massive impact. Um you know, on the program. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do when we pick these favorite game things that we've been doing. I'm trying to not just pick a game that was like, well, that was weird. <laughs> like, you know, right. It's, you know, the Yukon game from 2007 or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think that, you know, when we think about, I, I think what if questions are fun because you, you, you can assume when you when you say that the answer isn't X, then you just automatically assume the inju- the answer is Y. Yeah, I mean to make it interesting, you can't just be like, "Well, we don't know what would have." You know, <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, it doesn't. Like if you're gonna say like, and that question is, "What if Sean Moore never broke his thumb?" You, you're not gonna answer that question and go, "Oh, well, then he, you know, he would have had a horrible day and such." Yeah, they would have lost anyway. <laughs> you know, like it's that's not the way it works. All right, mm-hmm. um, Ashton Gilmore wanted to know what if UVA had fired Mike London sooner. Hmm. That's an interesting question. So I think we need to first define sooner because, you know, I think, gonna... I think the best way to frame it would probably be, and you could disagree. I think it would have to be after that two and 10 season. Yeah. Yeah. I would because like that. The, at that point they had the first year they went four and eight, then they went eight and five, then they went four and eight again, and then they went two and 10. You could make a case at that point that, you know, they could have made a change yeah. if money wasn't a, you know, a problem. Um, so and then say, next year, I believe they went five and seven, and yeah. then they went eight, and he was like, "Oh." So let's say it is that that awful year. What's twenty thirteen? So that would have been right before which which recruiting class was that? Was that the Quinn Drew class? Yeah, they were twenty fourteen. So they would have been signed during that basically that season. They went two and ten, which so, is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it really is if you think about it. I am uh, pulling up as we speak the coaches that were hired in the 2013 cycle. If we want to look at candidates. So 
all right, well, I guess what I want the way I wanted to start the discussion is I guess we have to figure out what the collateral damage is to it. Because, I mean, again, same as the previous point, right? Like, you're not going to assume that something bad that happened, right, gets undone and then bad stuff happens. But it's almost like the Curry conversation, right? Like, the, you couldn't ignore the fact that Michael Vick was going to Virginia Tech, right? Like, that was just going to be a thing that happened. And mm-hmm. you can't undo that just because Curry comes UVA. If you fire London, you have to at least consider that whether it's the recruits that he was getting or the recruits that he had gotten, some of them would have left. And so you have to at least build into yeah. this some sort of transition period where Coach X comes in and has to sort of do a lot of what Bronco had to do, right? Except maybe given the time frame, I mean, obviously it wouldn't have been Bronco. I mean, I don't think anybody thinks that Bronco would have been the dude several years earlier. No, um, because I think in part, um, I, I mean, I, I guess you could never say never, but I think in part the reason that he left BYU is because they had gone independent. I can't remember exactly what year they went independent, but I mean, I think it, he was kind of burned out by 2015 and ready to make a change. 2013, I don't know if he would have been ready to do, to jump, you know? So Right. But if you look at the coaches who got hired, I'm just running through it real quick. Butch Jones got hired by Tennessee. Um, Willie Taggart got hired by USF. I don't think that would have been a move that UVA would have made. Um, Doran, Dave Doran, Sonny Dykes. Um, those are the kind of – I mean, obviously Bronco was out of left field, so you never know. Like it could have been some random coach that ended up staying where they were. Um, but, I mean, like it, it, it's just really hard to say – on, in this particular one without knowing who the replacement would be, if that right. makes any sense. Fair, yeah. Because, I mean, if it's Dykes, who was a really hot coach at the time and went from Louisiana Tech, who beat UVA that year, Cleek, get off the field, um, <laughs> to Cal, uh, like, let's say they make that higher. Then, I mean, that's a dramatic shift of your entire program because he runs like a spread right. air raid sort of right. attack. So, I mean, you'd have completely different players in there and everything. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine that. I'm not saying they definitely wouldn't have come to UVA, but – I have a hard time imagining that Sonny Dykes comes in and and um, Quinn Blanding, Andrew Brown, Jamil Kamara, all those guys. Um, that was a blast from the past right there. Um, I feel like that would have been an uphill battle for him to at least keep people from jumping in there and trying to get him to decommit. Which makes you question, right? Like if you're the athletic department at that time, you fire London, you understand that they're these in-state kids from a very specific part of the Commonwealth that need, um, if you're trying to hold on to them, and it's, you know, I would assume that in that situation you'd probably want to. Um, who who was a candidate that could have done that, right? Um, you know, there wasn't really an Al Grow, you know, a guy with you know, quote unquote, state connections, right? And I'm using that term loosely because Grow yeah, ultimately. Yeah, he he ultimately did what he did because of his NFL pedigree and his experience at UVA helped him at UVA. But I don't get the sense that like people were like, "Oh, he's a UVA guy." Like, but this is different, right? Like, you would have to find somebody who was in a position of um, some success that you could bring in who had those connections. You know, whether the guy who played in the seven five seven had coached in the seven five seven people on his staff that had been there, something you'd need some kind of hook. If you really thought you were going to do that. My guess honestly would be that they would do exactly what they did with Bronco, which is go try to find the best coach. Um, yeah. Cause you still have the situation where like, and this is the same with every school that hires a coach, no matter who it is. 
uh, a lot of times if a team is not doing well with a defensive guy, they want, you know, the guy that scores the most points or vice versa. Or if they find a guy that's like a player's coach, it's like, oh, it's not disciplined enough. We need to bring in a disciplinarian. Or maybe it's the other way around where it's like we got to bring in somebody that can recruit because this guy, nobody likes this guy. Um, I, th- I think you would still have to work in that frame. And, you know, uh, I think the detail, I think UVA would need like a detail-oriented coach. And that's what they got in Bronco. So I think that, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, they'd probably be looking for the same sort of things, probably like an offensive philosophy, which is right. what we thought they were going to do in 2015. <laughs> but, I yeah. mean, I think the reason they hired Bronco is because – they probably would have preferred an offensive mining coach, but his resume was so good that they couldn't, it wasn't worth passing it up for that reason alone, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I feel like, um, you know, and then you we... also, not to cut you off, but you also have the, I, I think you were, I'm sure a lot of people would have been fine with it, but after, I think that would have been four years for London. I think you would have had some people around the state specifically that would have said, Oh wow, they cut bait quick, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you really have to think that that two and 10, I think you probably could have gotten by then. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, I mean, two more losing seasons. It's like, okay, nobody's going to defend this now. Like nobody's right. going to be like, nobody's going to be, uh, you know, bashing them for letting him go at that right. point. And that whole last year, um, well, let's 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 look at this from a different angle. All right. So let's say that Virginia does part ways with Mike hires Coach X and let's assume Coach X is somewhat in that Bronco mold. Uh, some yeah, same sort of trajectory. Right. Right. Con- consistent success going to bowl games, detail oriented program building guy. OK. Yeah. I mean, maybe UVA is able to like. I'm just thinking about it in terms of like those two last London years. Those are some bad tech teams are very mediocre. Right. Maybe UVA beats them one of those years. Right. Um, or at least like when Fuente comes in or maybe Fuente doesn't come in because things are so different. Um, you know, maybe like when Fuente comes in, they're not able to kind of hit the ground running and win three straight against UVA like right. they did. Um, and then you're able to recruit a little better and so on and so forth. Because so the angle I was going with it is I was trying to say, okay, let's let's assume that Coach X is, even if we don't know who he is, right, that Coach X is somewhat in that sort of vein. Would Virginia have lost um, – let me rephrase that. Would the, would the fan base have needed as long to be convinced to come back to the fold yeah. as this fan base was for, for Bronco? And the reason I ask is because – one of the big reasons that a lot of folks were just checked out was not just because Virginia had fallen on hard times and had some rough seasons. It's because they had that all that happened and they kept Mike anyway. That seemed to be a fairly significant um, echo. It really, it really did feel like the inflection point um, or the turning point during that era was that tech game the year before that in Blacksburg where he like didn't call timeout. Um, there were I, that's when people started to come out of the woodwork and say like we got to make a change. And then for the next 3 years everybody would point back to that and be like okay, that was the game where I turned, right? Um I think that's a little harsh, but obviously those people didn't end up wrong <laughs> at the end of the day. Um I think there was a lot of people like with every year after that, the 2013 year, you know, after that they they go back, they go 2 and 10, they bring him back again. And that was pretty much something that everybody expected. Nobody expected him to get fired. Um, and then the next year, it was like they were, what, five and six going to Blacksburg, and then yeah. they announced that he's coming back and then lose? Yeah. 
I mean, I think even yeah, I think you're right. I think if they had done it after 2013, I think maybe the attendance is a little better out of the gate for the new coach. Um, you know, I think there still would have been a lot of like culture building and stuff that would have had to happen. And I'm not going to sit here and say like the roster in 2014 was like much much better than it would have been in 2016 when Bronco took over. But you know, it, it's just it's hard to say. Um, you know, they were, actually that defense was probably a little better in 2014 than what he inherited. I mean, Quinn, Bl- or, uh, yeah, Quinn Blanding and Micah Kaiser obviously weren't seasoned, but you had like Eli Harold on that team. Max Vallis was pretty good. Um, Anthony Harris, you know, you had some good. Pl- I mean, there maybe the maybe the new coach hits the ground running a little bit, but as as far as like where UVA is now, I mean, maybe that you could just move up that trajectory a little bit more, but I don't know. To answer the person's question, I'm not sure that there's like a dramatic difference in like where they are now versus where they would have been if they had done that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Um, And the reason – so here's my thinking on it, right? So I I don't think that people were um, specifically less likely to give Bronco a try. I think that it was a combination. Right, it was anybody. But I also do think that it was one of those things where like there were – there were definitely some if you had given people what had been what had felt at the time like a quote unquote sexy choice, right? Somebody who had, you know, in state ties or something. You know what I mean? Like somebody who had, you know, um somebody who people were more familiar with, right? People loved the fact that Bronco had, you know, came from a winning tradition and was bringing his whole staff and had a had a blueprint, right? That was that was always seen as a positive. I, I just think that for people who were already sort of checked out, you needed something to draw them back in, and that piece wasn't going to get it done. They were going to be in a wait-and-see mode simply because they had already seen what they think that they thought was a mistake by the athletic department to basically wait to kick the can for a while, and now you've brought in this coach who doesn't have the sort of ties that I quote-unquote want, right? So that's the mindset. And, you know, and, and I, I don't think that um, – in the big scheme of things, like that person would have been really set up for a lot of success. I mean, I do think Bronco really threaded a needle. Um, yeah, and I think that's the the lesson in this. What if is honestly for me, yeah, those extra couple years were not great. Um, they they weren't they were competitive at times, you know, like they almost beat Notre Dame. They, they almost went to a bowl game in twenty fourteen. It, it just wasn't enough. Quarterback play, you know, really hurt them. I thought. Um, during Mike's entire run uh, but you know if, if it took like if you if you could give me one of these people I was just looking at on this 2013 list or you wait two extra years to get Bronco and get what we know they have now I think that it worked out for them like to to wait um, assuming that I just feel like it's unlikely that you're finding somebody better than him two years earlier if that makes any sense yeah it does all right, let's move on to uh, another question. This is from Will. What if Vic Hall got to play, actually play quarterback? So I guess this question we sort of have to assume um, the implication here is that on those specific teams, right? Um, I mean, listen. I think what he means is like he just was at quarterback, in the quarterback room right. the entire year. Yeah, right. right. So the reason I say that is because there have been a handful of guys at UVA in recent years and – I say recent, really what I mean is like 20-ish, whatever, that in different systems at UVA, especially the one Bryce Perkins has just put up some huge numbers in, that would have just balled out, right? Like if you had had Marcus Hagens in that system, 
or Vic Hall in that system. So it's impossible for me to think about Vic Hall at quarterback without thinking, hey, man, what if what if he was in a thing that, you know, wasn't like a pro style, this and that, you know what I mean? Like it was an actual sort of, you know, what we think of today as a modern college offense. Um, but even yeah, I mean, if it's I was not, doing that, that 05 UVA FSU game and like, you know, you go back and look at that and you're like, man, if Higgins was in like a spread to throw offense, yeah, not maybe he's as effective, but his numbers are probably like way different than, you know, what he ended up putting up in those games. So let's assume that he's in the quarterback room. Mm-hmm. Does he get a shot? Yes or no? See, my thing with him is, and this is just a lack of awareness on my part, I don't remember if he could really throw the ball. Um, I mean, I just pulled up his stats. He was 5 for 9 career for 77 yards with a touchdown. Um, He was 4 for 7 in 2009. I guess that was all against William & Mary. Um, Before that, he threw three passes. So... On the one hand, I would say like it would be interesting to see. And on the other hand, I wonder if maybe people are just romanticizing his passing ability. Um, because remember, like when he came in and played in that tech game, he just ran the ball. Like he threw one pass. Cat, right? He threw one pass. Yeah. I mean, so it wasn't like he was like tearing tech up through the air. So with that being said, and, and knowing that Al Groh is a pretty smart coach and um, maybe it was a little bit of a different era for the quarterback position. Maybe guys like that weren't given as much of a chance as they were in other eras, um, like the current one. I mean, even Hagen's had to play receiver. Um, I, I just, I, I kind of doubt that he would be what people think, just because, like, I don't remember him having a moment throwing the ball. But I mean, I know that he was a very good high school player at Gretna. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's hard. I know I just said earlier that it's not fun to do this, but I, I just really don't I don't know that he gets a shot that people think he gets. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the 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 downsides to the what if is that sometimes you have to have the thing happen to know, right? Like sometimes you got to have the dude in the room or at least have the opportunity there. I, I think that and maybe he, I don't remember. Like, did he start there or did they just say, nope, you're a DB all the way? Like, like, I mean, when he got to Charlottesville, I don't remember like what happened there. Um, My recollection is that if, if he got a shot, it wasn't like a real, like, yeah. Bump, I mean, you know I remember when he was a recruit and people were saying like, he's a good quarterback. Yeah. And I remember that being a thing. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then it was pretty immediate that he was switched. Um, I mean, his, his stats, career stats show him as a DB for his first two years and a quarterback for his last two. I don't even really remember him playing that much as a DB. No, I think um, he didn't. Um, he was really on. small from what I remember. Um, I'll tell you what, though, you put him in. Well, I don't know, though. Let's, he's a good athlete for he, sure. He's got to be able to. He's got to be able to throw the ball, though, in order to, you know, like, because, I mean, Bryce is still a run first dude, but, I mean, he he can throw it. He might not make all yeah. the throws or be a, you know, a pro in that respect, right? But, man, he's he's still a very good. You know, very yeah. Good I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I, I don't, I don't remember Vic Hall's passing ability. What I'm saying, I'm not saying like a Bryce Perkins level. I'm saying like uh, a trick play quarterback. Like, was he like at that level or was he better? I, I just don't remember. Like, and it seems like, and I think the reason people ask this question because I've heard it before is because we know how mediocre what they got otherwise was, right? 
So like, you know what I'm saying? So like, it, they didn't get anything from the other guys. So it, it's easy to say like, oh, they should have put him at quarterback, <laughs> you know? And um, I'm, it would have probably been fun just based on what we saw against Virginia Tech. I just don't know if if UVA would have had to be like super one dimensional, or maybe you run like a completely different offense with him in there. Yeah, good point. Um, all right, uh, Andrew had a question about um, Georgia Tech in '90. That's a Dave question. We're gonna hold. Uh, Daniel wanted to know what if UVA hired Mike, or excuse me, Mac Brown. Now I remember mentioning this. I don't think we actually answered. You mean it. like a few years ago? Well, that was the other question. My yeah. guess was that he meant during twenty fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Um, because the scuttlebutt for a while was that he was interested in the job. Right. Um, His daughter's a professor at UVA, I believe, or yeah. she was then. Uh, and he, you know, he apparently was, you know, making North calls. Carolina was not open. I mean, or not, you know, they were on very stable ground. So I don't think that registered for him as like, oh, I can go back there, you know, because Larry Fedora was killing it at that time. Well, I think we can assume that if he had gone to UVA, he would not have left to go to Carolina two years. No, later. no, that right. wouldn't happen. I don't think that would have happened. Um, I don't think it's safe to I don't think you can say that the success that Carolina, at least recruiting wise, I mean, they haven't had I mean, they've got Sam Howell, um, who coincidentally did not sign. With Florida State, Brad. Um, <laughs> there's an well, old cut for you. Uh, he almost did. <laughs> he almost did. Um, it's safe to say, though, that that Mac has had success at Carolina on the recruiting trail that I don't know if he would have been able to replicate at UVA. Because right now, Carolina as a state is just full of dudes, right? And one of the reasons Carolina's killing it is because they're just killing it at home. Um, they're just doing a good job of keeping those kids in state. Um, really, I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, he assembles a staff in Charlottesville. I don't know if they're gonna be able to do that. I mean, honestly, if, if they had hired Mac Brown, probably would have hated the hire. I mean, that's, yeah, I was not in favor of it. And we talked a lot about it at the time. Yeah. Didn't like I, it. I, honestly, what happened was at North Carolina and I didn't foresee this happening at UVA. I mean, maybe he would have pulled it off there too, but he just hired great coordinators, good assistant coaches and had the investment from everybody to go forward and the understanding that he won't be there super long. So it's not like the future of the program. He's basically just trying to get them on good footing to win and then hopefully turn it over to somebody else. Um, at UVA, I, I was like, why would they want to hire him? He's like 64 years old. Like, um, you know, and, and you were getting diminished. My worry was that like he was living off the reputation of that national championship. Um, like, those things are great, but that was a Texas. This is a different sort of world, right? You're rebuilding a, a, a program and a culture that needs a huge you know, shift. And obviously he knows what it takes to win. He's been in a big program. But I was just worried they were hiring him for – if they did that for name recognition. And then it, he would find out that he didn't have what he needed to win in Charlottesville like he did at Texas. And you also at that time heard a lot about like how he was just completely misevaluating quarterbacks left and right at Texas. He recruited RG3 as a safety um, I don't think he recruited Johnny Manziel or recruited him to play another position. Like, you know, it was like one after another with that. So I was like, okay, is this the kind of guy that's going to be a Tony Bennett that can come in and do more with less? I don't know. Um, now, if he could recruit to that level at UVA, then he could probably win some games. But I think that what UVA needed is what they got. Fair. I mean, I would, I, I mean, I can't. I can't debate any of that. They needed somebody to, to, to not be, I mean, obviously Bronco talked a big game when he showed up about, you know, he doesn't miss Christmas or whatever. doesn't stay home for the holidays. Um, but I think it took, it's very early on. He was able to recognize that the culture, you know, they needed to strip things down to the studs and start over basically. Right. right? And right. I, for Mac Brown, I don't know if he's necessarily like 
wired that way. I mean, luckily at Carolina this year, he was able to kind of hit the ground running, but a lot of that had to do with the quarterback position. Um, you know, they, they, they identified a guy that was a high level recruit that just happened to be in their home state and they were able to flip him late. Um, and he turned out to be very good. Uh, before that, you know, Larry Fedora's last year, their quarterback play was terrible. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I th- that's why I thought last year they weren't going to be very good. Um, and they're, and they're certainly trending in the right direction. It's just, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think UVA probably does recruit, it finishes higher in the recruiting rankings. I don't know if I would say they recruit better. I'd say they, you know, they get more flashy sort of recruits uh, with Mac, but I don't know. I think maybe the first year isn't as bad as it was with Bronco because he's able to get some guys in and, and there's not as much of like a hard reboot. But I think the next few years probably aren't as successful as what UVA got with Bronco. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's see. Um, let's see. Steve wanted to know, what if UVA had gone after Russell Wilson for both football and baseball? Ooh. Russell Wilson. Well, that would have been better than what they did. <laughs> I can promise you that. So we were talking about last week, right, the idea of inflection points and, um, you know, the Curry recruitment for UVA yeah. was in a lot of ways. It, you have to sort of look at Russell Wilson – um, Tyrod Taylor and Peter Lalek, um, as kind of in the same vein, right? Like those were recruitments that if they had played out differently, make a huge difference. Now, again, you sort of have to assume that things would have gone well. You, you wouldn't have assumed that you would have gotten Russell Wilson and he, and he what happened to Peter Lalek would have happened to him. Um, but it's very clear to me that Russell Wilson, if UVA had wanted him, could have gotten him. I think that's pretty fair to say at this point. So if UVA goes after Russell Wilson and lets him play both football and baseball, how would you have expected that to play out for the Cavaliers? What do you, <laughs> does he become who he became uh, if he comes to UVA at that, at that specific that's, that's point? That's probably more of the question. I think, um, does he reach his potential at Virginia? Um, we just talked about Curry in the opposite way, right? Like if he comes True. to UVA, maybe it's better. I think it's fair to say that NC State maybe was a better, ended up being the place that he needed to go because um, while UVA had better football teams under Grow, they didn't really develop a ton of quarterbacks. I mean, Matt Schaub obviously ended up as a nice pro career, third round pick, I believe. Hagens played decently in college and then obviously was a different position in the NFL for a few years. Um, other than that, was there anybody else? Am I forgetting anyone? That's it, right? No, I think that's it. And then there, there were a lot of misses in there too, right? I yeah. Mean, you look at, we were talking. I think Dave sent them to us the other day. Scott, <laughs> Scott Deakey or Deke or whatever his name was. Um, sorry, Deke. Scott, if you're listening, is that it? Okay, I, I, I never it. knew because he never played, so it didn't matter. Um, sorry, Scott, if you're listening. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin. What was his name? McCabe. Kevin McCabe, thank you. Anthony Martinez. Um, Who I would run into all the time in the West End. Just <laughs> yeah, Okay. Um, along with your cousin, Tony Franklin, who had that interception against Florida State. Tony. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, I think Russell Wilson, obviously, like, all right, so what was the alternative? They took Peter Lalek, right? That didn't work out. <laughs> like, I mean, he barely played at UVA. He obviously started off that 2008 season, I remember, against uh, USC – I think he got kicked off the team pretty soon after that, um, and Mark Verica took over. Yeah, I mean, if you could if you could put that Russell Wilson on UVA's teams, um, 
then one, I think Al Groh's career at UVA goes, you know, into the next decade because I think, you know, their offense would be killing it with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Um, you know, it, they definitely are able to, you know, they had a pretty good defense and some decent skill talent. I think a great quarterback would have elevated them to a pretty good level. Maybe they even go like win the coastal, go to an ACC title game, um, something like that. Uh, I think that Grow gets a few more years because I think those that 07, 08, 09 stretch. I can't remember when Russell Wilson was a freshman. Maybe it was. I guess it would have been 2000. He was in that 07 class, so 2007, 2008. Um, I think that whole stretch of time, I think UVA would have been much better than they were. Um, and then baseball, I don't know exactly where he would have fit in with that team. I can't remember all the guys that were on those teams. Obviously, they went to the College World Series, so maybe he elevates them to a national title contender. Um, it's hard to do that with one guy in baseball unless they're really good, though. So Russell Wilson coming out of high school was a five foot eleven, hundred eighty pound dual threat quarterback out of uh, collegiate. Two-star, 5.3 rating. Obviously, he committed to NC State. That was in um, July of twenty of 2006. Was um, Lalek already on board then? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember that it was Lalek and Tyrod Taylor that year. So yeah. I think Tyrod Taylor was a five-star or close. Um, um, I'm and he it picked up. Tech and then Lalek picked UVA. So I think both teams were pretty much done at quarterback at that point. Um, Wilson's only other committable offer, it seems like, was was Duke. Tech was mm-hmm. apparently interested, but never offered. Yeah, it's not like let's not pretend. I mean, UVA probably paid the price for missing on him the most, but they weren't the only ones that didn't, you know, that missed him. Right. Uh, Tyrod Taylor was a five star um, dual threat quarterback out of uh, Hampton. He was uh, 27 nationally in the Rivals 100 that year. He committed to Tech in July, later July. So Russell Wilson commits first by about, excuse me, Tyrod Taylor committed the day before Russell Wilson committed. Yeah. Peter Lalek, meanwhile, he committed in April of that year. Four star. And it doesn't seem like any of those recruitments really, like UVA wasn't going to get Tyrod Taylor. Um, Russell Wilson, it doesn't seem like was recruited by either of the in-state schools, so he was having his own recruitment, right? Like outside of the other two, right? So, yeah. So UVA gets Lollick in, in earlier in the spring. Both um, Taylor and um, uh, Wilson commit in July. Um, we all know where things went for for Peter. Um, I mean, to the boat. <laughs> it's it's hard to sorry look if at, you're listening, Peter. <laughs> it's hard to look at the you know. I mean, look, he's a he was a five point nine, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was right on the cusp. Yeah, he was he was like a. I mean, we were just talking about Vic Hall. Like Peter Lalek was on a different level as far as like prospect. Yeah, like, people were really excited about him. Yeah, and then you've got Russell. I mean, if you had not taken Peter Lalek to take Russell Wilson at that point, man, you mu- you better have been ready. You know, mm-hmm. like, really ready. Um, and of course, and I think he know. played as a freshman at NC State. Like, yeah, I think he, he played a lot early. So, I mean, you know, if he comes in and just k- hits it from day one at UVA, like they they just you know, hey, everybody missed on him, and and he was just really good right out of the gate anywhere that he was going to go. Um, I think as far as tangible results, I think 2007 probably plays out pretty similarly to how it did. Um, 2008, they make a bowl for sure. Um, instead of going five and seven 2009, I'd say they're probably a bowl team instead of a three and nine team. Um, a lot of those 
and Greg Brandon probably doesn't ever get hired. Um, that doesn't seem necessary. Maybe Mike Groh's career is a little different, you know, um, Fair point. Fair with point. Russell Wilson. And then also I, I doubt the Virginia Tech streak lasts through four years of Russell Wilson, um, even going against Tyrod Taylor. I think Russell Wilson's good enough to win one of those, right? I would, I would think so. I know eight game when it went before Tyrod Taylor was playing. Uh, actually, he might have been playing in that game, the game that Vic Hall played. Um, you know, one of those. I think UVA probably gets in like one of those years. I think the thing for me has always been that like you can sort of you can take a guy at the pro level, right? And you can say like, what if his journey had been different? And yes, yeah, so some of those guys maybe they end up still being what they were. Heck, maybe they're better, right? But it, there are some dudes that like if you change some of their trajectory, you you start to you start to wonder how sound it would still be. So like for example, Russell Wilson, you know he he seems to have really benefited from because I mean he didn't come in as like this you know do everything end all be all right like he worked himself to be something in that kind of realm. And then he took a transfer like his you know his last year like a pretty bold move True. to go to Wisconsin and then yep. you know he goes to the Seahawks. So I mean. It worked definitely. He he hit the he he made the right moves for him. Uh, I think it just would UVA certainly would have reaped tons of benefits if he you know came to Charlottesville. Absolutely. So the um so I would say the question is things would have been very different because all of the faith you put into Peter Lalek would have been put into Russell Wilson. I just don't think you can automatically assume, even though as we've talked about the sort of the nature of these questions is that you assume. Right. But I don't think you can assume, especially because at that point, it wasn't like Russell Wilson was a can't miss recruit. He was a guy who had to really um, develop. And I've seen enough recruits who came to UVA who did not look like guys who were can't miss, who ended up being very good, um, you know, in terms of what Tony Bennett does, that I can safely say on the other side, like some guys go places and turn into the thing they become rather than we're always the thing that they were going to be. Um, so that's just, you know, how I look at it. Yeah. There's some of both. Like, I, I think that's where people get caught up in like player development versus star rating. Like the star rating definitely is correlated with success. Like I think if Trevor Lawrence had come to UVA or gone to ODU, he would have been what he is. Right. I mean, not no offense to Clemson, but that dude was already good. Right. Um, but then there's other guys where it's a fit thing. Like, Maybe, maybe even Bryce Perkins, as athletic and dynamic and you know tough as he was, I don't. Maybe it doesn't work out for him if he goes to Missouri. You know, true. Or I'm just picking Missouri. Yeah, I yeah, know. no, at yeah, some yeah. other random place. <laughs> um, let's see. Lars wanted to know what if George Walsh had not become the coach of UVA, would UVA have ever gotten out of the doldrums? I think that's a great question, but that seems like a Dave question too. So we're gonna yeah. hold that one. Save it for Dave. Um, I think this will be the last one for us tonight. Uh, Brad Myers wanted to know. Not my cousin Brad because he's Brad and not Franklin. Um, what if Marcus Hagens had played in a modern spread? Um, this one, listen, I was as big a biscuit dude as anybody I knew. Like I thought biscuit walked on water. Um, which is I remember super- being upset when UVA was playing shop over him in two thousand two. Yes, yes, I was also a Bryson Spinner guy for the record. Just wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a deep cut, which is um, funny because I was thinking about that when you were talking to Teal about Curry, because you guys were like, it would have, you know, Curry, it would have been uh, Dan Ellis, and then you went to Shab, and I was like, oh, you forgot about Bryson Spinner in there for a few games. Yeah, that's true. He had uh, that one legendary uh, touchdown against uh, Clemson, I believe, to Billy McMullen. Remember that? Uh, late, vaguely, late in the yes. game. I think he was on the road. 
I also liked Simeon Willis back in the day, um, back in the Mike Grow days. There's a name. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Him. There's a name, boy. Um, oh anyway. yeah, we gotta at the end. We gotta play our game. <laughs> no, no, no. We gotta wait for. Did Dave would be crushed if we played that game without him? You know, I feel like half this. I feel like the half this show is us talking about Dave not being here. Mm-hmm. Stupid internet issues. Okay. Um, what if his internet had been fine by the time we actually started recording? Wouldn't that have been hysterical? Yeah, just give him a call. Just Skype him in right now. Anyway, all right. Um, I was a huge biscuit guy. Um, it, it, it never, it never even dawned on me that there were things that biscuit couldn't do. Um, it, it's still to this day. I, I feel like he, he's the guy who, um. He's the guy who, like a lot of UVA fans, don't really appreciate in terms of like all the things he could do. Like, th- like we think of Joe Reed, for example, right? Like Joe Reed was a wide receiver and a kick returner, right? Like Biscuit could do like anything. Now maybe you couldn't throw him. That at, was like, one of the coolest things of his career. I thought was that you know it didn't work out for him at quarterback right away. He lost out to a guy that was a pro. Um and they were like, "Yeah, we'll just throw him out there at wide receiver, and he'll still play and be good." For sure. He was a he was an important part of. On the, I remember, I think he had like a trick play or something in the Tech game that that they won in 03. Like he was a big part of that game. He obviously played special teams, um, did all kinds of stuff. Yeah, was a big time basketball recruit. I believe. Yeah, I, think I mean, I think, I think was trying to get thing him. with Biscuit is like, could he have played defense? Maybe. I mean, he's probably too humble to like actually say it out loud, but maybe he could have. But I mean. You just threw the dude on the field. Ball was in his hands. Good things happened, right? And um, for the record, when um, Rashawn Henry committed the transfer from St. Francis uh, that day, Biscuit's out there dropping gifts of himself, uh, yeah, that which was I just really think funny. is an all-time flex. Like, uh, know, I forget oh. which coach it was, but somebody was like, is everybody else frozen or something? <laughs> he was like cutting through West Virginia defenders in the tire bowl. Right. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I think if, if he played in a modern spread offense, things are a little different for him. I don't know if it necessarily means he has like a pro career. Um, I think his chances are certainly better than they were. Uh, well, it is like kind this. of frustrating thinking back of like all the under center stuff he had to do, like yes. thinking about how offenses are now. Like, yes. Like that Carolina game at Carolina when it was seven to five. Yeah, I was gonna add that at the end of the FSU, you know, like memory lane thing that I wrote. That was, I believe, the next game. The next they game. lost seven yeah. to five. Yeah. I was there. It was not fun. The week before, fun. That one, not fun. Yeah. Um, but, but that, no, like, I mean, that's a perfect like a microcosm of like what yeah. UVA football yeah. was in that time. That's it really was like a good point. They're close. Like they're getting there, and then it would be something like and that. You know? Lucy pulls the football away. But I so, mean, you think about just like his, you know, his ability as a runner too. I feel like wasn't quite unlocked enough because of all of the pro style sort of stuff they're running. It's really funny now looking back on it how many colleges tried to make college offenses into pro offenses and now basically the pro offenses are trying to make pro offenses into college offenses. Yeah. I mean, especially that UVA team, you know, those UVA teams during the grow era, it really did feel like, and it feels like now, like he was trying to make them like an NFL team. Yeah, he was. And that's okay. Listen, I'm not They're running throw... a three, four before many teams are doing it. You know, yeah. I'm not going to throw shade at it because at the end of the day, like Bronco has a system. He wants this, you know, like, it actually reminds me of grow in a lot of ways, right? Like if you weren't like this specific height, you know, this specific weight for this specific position, they don't, they didn't recruit you. And UVA kind of does a lot of that now, right? Like if you aren't X, you're not, they're not going to go after you. Um, 
But I do think, though, that one of the things with Biscuit is that I can look at that one and think, dude, you give that kid four years, he'd have put up absurd numbers. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't win a whole lot um, because there's a lot more out there than just that. But in a modern spread offense, Biscuit would have crushed it um, because you could have done literally anything with that dude. Um, I mean, not just because his feel for the game and his athletic ability, but also, too, like, when you have a guy who is athletic enough to just go play slot and then also can throw the ball as far as that dude can and do it with some accuracy. Yeah, he. I mean, he had a good arm, too. Like, like yeah, he, he still does. Like, yeah. he still does. Like, I see him sometimes at practices, you know, back when, you know, practices used to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the dude is is, is absurd. Um, and anyway, so I, I think that the answer to the question, what if he had played, you know, what's the – What's the Mr. T line from Rocky? Pain? Like, that's, he would have been the truth. Like, I just think he would have been really, really good. And yeah. younger Brad would have just lived it up because I loved me some biscuit. I mean, it seemed like at that time, even in those moments where they had a lot of good players on those teams, you know, Debrickshaw Ferguson, Wally Lundy was a great running back, um, a lot of good defensive players. It still felt like he was kind of elevating them, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, and absolutely. he wasn't putting up absurd numbers all the time. I mean, you go back and look at like the passing numbers from back then; they're very pedestrian. But that doesn't—that's kind of what I was trying to make clear in that FSU thing. It was kind of—I don't want to say you had to be there because you can go back and watch some of this stuff now. But um, I mean, he was better than the stats show. Like, I would say that. I mean, he was a good college football quarterback. Um. Matt Schaub, obviously, I think Matt Schaub, maybe even two, you could say, was probably a little better than the stats because he, maybe he doesn't do all the running stuff that Biscuit could have done, but I think in a like a spread to throw, he's probably putting up like absurd numbers in college. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was different times back then. It was. I, I think too the thing that is <laughs> Biscuit like. When you have a utility piece like that, like if you had a specific play, like imagine Biscuit playing for this staff in this system. I mean, that's kind of what I've been thinking during this question is like him running the Bryce Perkins plays. Like they, you can see that they would love to do like some random crazy crap with Brendan Armstrong. They would actually do it with Biscuit. Like he's quick enough, right? And he's got. Everything you need at both positions, they would, you would never, like, I could totally see them getting, like, super duper cute with it, right? Almost, like, too cute. Like, the ball, you know, you're going to toss it here, you're going to toss, like, there would be a lot of gadget stuff all over the place. And when it worked, we would, (laughs) everybody would be very excited. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, there is one more question. The bonus question um, I'm not going to ask because it involves uh, Virginia Tech. And I know how Dave enjoys his uh, Virginia Tech stuff. So I'm going to skip that for now. Uh, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Uh, if you haven't so far, check out the website. We've got um, Ferber's series. Ferber, for real, is killing it with this favorite game thing, which is an idea. <laughs> I literally tossed out to him, like, I don't know, randomly the other day. And then he puts together the Syracuse game and then the Car- and then the Florida State that daggum number 18. Um crushing it like if you thought you were only going to write one of these things i'm going to be leaning on you for like as many more of these as i can get because they're incredible so definitely <laughs> the next one we're going those. back to basketball for the next one uh, look at you dropping little teasers on the pod um let's see so you definitely want to check out those i mentioned uh, my conversation with teal 
Um, Ferber also did a really good uh, piece Monday on the uh, non-conference schedule on the basketball side. And then literally within a few hours of that, right, was when they came out. Was that when they came out and said, or was it the next day when they said uh, no ACC or Rossing reported no ACC games yeah. to start I mean, that was kind of like, it, it just seemed like that was where it was going because a lot of the teams have openers scheduled against other teams. Um, and it was pretty unpopular, I think, among the coaches and everybody else. So it makes sense. I, I would look for that first weekend of December for the first ACC game, assuming that, you know, this is all with a huge, uh, giant uh, handful of salt. Um, <laughs> Am I the I only mean, person that enjoyed the openers being ACC games? Is that just me? Like, I liked it. I didn't mind it. Um, I think there was a lot of like hand wringing that was a little bit ridiculous. It's one game. It doesn't really matter that much. Um, it was a cool thing for fans. I thought to be able to watch like an ACC game. And it was funny, like looking back, you know, we were like, Oh, UVA man, that first game Syracuse too, you know, it was what like 48, 34. Everybody was like, oh, you know, they shouldn't be playing these games in November. Clearly, the teams aren't ready. And little <laughs> did we know that was just what it was. It was just it. That was just uh, that was just the season at large. Um, yeah, I liked yeah, it. I, w- I would look. I would look for an early December ACC opener. Listen, folks, the man is never wrong on these things. Seriously, when I when I'm it comes general. to like what time a game is, what channel it's going to be on, whatever, Ferber knows. Well, don't ask me anything about the quarantine because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there, no. And if you look at know. the message board, clearly you guys are already well on your own path <laughs> to discussing that. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So check out that stuff. Uh, links will be in your podcast app of choice if you want to give us a review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people. So I want to thank Ferber for giving graciously of his time as always. Um, hopefully we'll have Dave back next week and we can finish out our what ifs um, and uh, and move on to and play this uh, this game that Dave concocted, which is going to be a lot of fun. So for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.